Um, so how many of you um, were here or at least saw the message from last week? Okay, most of you. So it was a really fun week. We talked about our new name, Home Church. Um, we even have our sign today, which is awesome. Last week we were the Unidentified Church. Um, I hope you will help us get that word out about our name change through social media or telling your friends or buying church merch. That's what we're calling it. <laughs> church merch. So buy some stuff and wear it around H-E-B and stuff. Um, so home church is, is, is not just what we're called. Home church is who we are. And it's who God's calling us to be. It's a, a welcoming place. It's an accepting place. It's a comfortable place. It's a place of friendships and relationships and, and connections. It's a place where you can make real friends. And those friends can become family. It's a place where, where you can make a real difference for the kingdom and in the world around you. It's a place where we really are unified in the big stuff. And where we really don't make small stuff into big stuff. And where we love people regardless of their stuff. That's our identity. That's who we're called to be. Amen. Home church. There's a place for you here. So once we're clear on our identity and who God's calling us to be, now we can start talking about our mission and what God's calling us to do. Because as much as we love each other and as much as we have fun together and as, as godly and scriptural and right as it is that we eat together and play together and laugh together and enjoy each other, this isn't just a social club. You know, this, this is a church, the body of Christ. And we have a mission. So 2,000 years ago, the spirit of Christ came here in an earthly body. And in that body, he started announcing his coming kingdom. And he started telling people and giving people a taste of what that kingdom is like. And he started inviting people into that kingdom as citizens. And then he ascended to heaven. And someday he's gonna come back and he's gonna complete that work. But meanwhile, he calls us to carry on his work as his body. Because now the spirit of Jesus lives in us. Amen. Yeah, and so he's empowering us and he's calling us to continue his work. Jesus left us with much more than just salvation. And Jesus left us with much more than just his spirit. He left us with a mission. And, and this, we weren't made for this, man. Humans were designed for a mission. Even in the garden, Adam and Eve were not just there you know, to hang around naked all day, eating fruit and naming animals. They had, they, they, they had a mission. Here it is. God gives it to them. It's Genesis 1, 28. God blessed them and he said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it and reign over the fish and the birds and the animals. See, the original plan was that God and humanity would work together. That God would provide humanity with everything he needed, the calling, the direction, the power, everything that he needed. And then man would be like God's um, like managing partner. And like together, they would, they would manage, they would, they would rule the earth all for God's glory. That's important. That we'd work together, we'd work with God for his glory. That, and, and it didn't work out great because man wanted the glory for himself, right? But... God wanted this partnership. God wanted this togetherness with, with man. And if we look through the Bible, you see kind of a surprising like, 
pattern. Because God is completely self-sufficient, right? God doesn't need anybody. He's completely self-sufficient, and yet he wants to partner with humanity. He wants to collaborate with humanity. That's what he was trying to do in the garden, right? It was going to be God and mankind working together. And it's throughout the Bible. Even think about writing the Bible, right? Let me ask you a question. Who wrote the Bible? Did God write the Bible? Did people write the Bible? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's both. It, it, it's really, it, it's, I don't, like, I'm not sure what the process looked like. Was, you know, was Ezekiel just standing there and a scroll drifted down from heaven and landed in his land? Is that what? I don't know. I don't know. Did, is, did, did, did Jeremiah like write a book and then send it to God for edits? I don't know. Did Moses just fall asleep on his keyboard one night and he woke up the next day? What's this? Torah? What? Like, it just, it appeared. I, I don't know. I don't know what the process looked like, but I do know that it was a collaboration. I do know that it was a partnership that God inspired humans to write the Bible. And since creation, a lot of the miracles that God has done, he has, he has included, he's, he's partnered with Humanity. When, he, when God wanted to rescue his people from slavery, he could have very easily, remember Star Trek? Who, who remembered the old Star Trek? Right? He could have just beamed them right, from Egypt into the promised land like that. Right? But he chose not to do that. He chose to do that work through a man, through a human, through Moses. And then he worked with Moses. He worked through Moses. And, you know, Moses threw down the stick. God turned it into a snake. Right? Moses held up the stick. God parted the Red Sea. Moses whacked a rock with a stick. God brought out the water. It's an awesome stick. Right? And maybe God didn't want to work with people. He just really wanted to partner with a stick. I don't know. So, but it's not the stick because we also see God working through David throwing a rock. And we also see Peter walking on water. And we also see the apostles casting out demons and healing people. And we see Paul starting all these churches. And all these miracles were partnerships, right? They were this collaboration, God empowering people to do these impossible things. Even the ultimate miracle, redeeming the world through Jesus, was a partnership, right? This is why Jesus called himself the Son of Man and the Son of God. It was a partnership. It was God's Spirit in a human body. And all of those miracles God did with and through people. People on a mission. We were, we were designed for mission. We're at our best on mission. And that's, that's not just when we're most effective. It's when we're the happiest. I mean, if you think about it, that's why you get like a good feeling that's why when you get that little rush of dopamine, that little, um, the pride of a job well done, right? That's, this, is why, this is why we post pictures of the cake we just baked, right? It feels good, man. Look at that. Look at that. Or the yard we just mowed. Or the report card we just brought home. Or the kid that we just graduated, right? We post those pictures because we, we have this good feeling. We did something. During COVID, I'm not proud of this, I posted a picture of Margaret and I standing in front of a clean oven that we had just cleaned. It's like, we haven't had that many accomplishments, so we had to go with what we had. But like, why? why? Because there's this feeling of, of, 
of, of satisfaction and, and of contentment that happens because God wired us for mission. And that's also why you always hear these stories of these super rich, super powerful, super pretty, super famous people who are miserable. Because they've realized that, especially if they inherit the money or if they win the lottery or something, I think they just realize that you can only buy so much. You can only drink so much. You can only eat so much. And they get this like, hopeless, empty feeling that their lives have no meaning. That their lives have no purpose. We're at our best. We're, we're our most effective. We are our most satisfied. We are our happiest when we are fulfilling our mission. And that's why you've heard people say in sports or in business about goal setting, people are always talking about goal setting and they'll say, you know, you'll never hit a target that you can't see. You, you'll never reach a goal until you identify it. You'll never accomplish a mission until you name it. Because once you've named it, once you've identified what that goal is, then you can really focus on that goal. You can really hone in on that mission. And the more you do that, the more likely you are to hit it. Because everything in you, every decision you make, every action you take, every thought, every word, everything you do is aimed towards fulfilling that mission. This is what Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians 9. Look what he says. This is verse 24. He says, don't you realize that in a race, everybody runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training, and they do it for a prize that'll fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose every step i'm not just shadow boxing right I'm not, just, I'm not just playing here every step has a purpose towards his mission every step has a purpose to help him fulfill paul is laser focused on his mission and if we want to be who God's calling us to be and if we want to do what God's calling us to do and if we want to succeed and win and flourish and make a difference and, and live a life that's fulfilling and important and fun, we need to focus on our mission. But first, we gotta figure out what our mission is, right? We, like, what, is our, what is our place, what is our place, what is our little mission in the great big mission of, of, of expanding God's kingdom and bringing glory to Jesus. Because we all have a part, right? We all have a little, the body of Christ is, is, is made out of people. So just like your body is made out of lots of different parts, every part is good at something. Your heart is good at pumping blood. Um, your eyes are good at seeing. Your feet are good at walking. Your ears are good at, at, at hearing. Everybody in the body of Christ, just like that, has gifts. Right? Different skills, different abilities, different um, experiences and education and, and passions. And some of those you were born with and some of those you learned in life. And those are, those are gifts. First, if you read 1 Corinthians, there's a whole chapter in chapter 12 that talks about God giving us supernatural gifts. Right? Each one of us, when we receive the Holy Spirit, we get a spiritual gift. And all of those gifts together qualify us for our specific mission. So between the gifts God gave you at birth and between skills and abilities and, and education and experience and stuff that you develop and then those spiritual gifts that you got when you're saved, you, you, everybody, you were intentionally designed to fit together and to work together perfectly. 
in the body of Christ. Just like your heart and your lungs and your liver and your eyebrows all work together to perform a mission. You got having fun? With me? Okay, because here's the hard part. Someday we're going to answer for how we fulfill that mission. Yeah? And this, is, this isn't a scary thing at all. But here's what it says. This is Romans 14.10. Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And verse 12 says, each one of us will give a personal account to God for our lives. Now, this is a really important thing to understand. This is not the great white throne judgment, right? So we, at the end of time, there'll be this great white throne judgment. Remember, he opens up the book. Is your name in the book or is it not in the book? And that's, you know, in or out, right? That's, that's that judgment. But this is a judgment after that, only for us that are in, right? This is a judgment for only those of us that are in. And this, this in fact, this word, it, judgment seat, the judgment seat of Christ, the Greek word bima, the bima, seat and what that was um was like in the sport like in the olympics you know the olympics started back then right and so the judges this is not talking about a judge like are you going to go to jail or are you not it's more like a judge in a sporting event right so you know when you watch the olympics and they used to be like they hold up the scores like 9.5 8.7 right from the russian judge 2.1 remember that <laughs> right that's this that's the judge right and then those are the people that kind of give the awards that's and the person on the, on the judgment seat, on the Bema seat, was the person that would say, okay, you won. Way to go. Here's your, here's your medal. Here's your trophy. You, you won. Way to go. This is where you get your reward for what you did. And I just, I mean, if you think about it, can you imagine what it feels like? The Olympics are coming up, right? I want you to imagine just for a second. What is it like after working your whole life for that eight seconds or whatever it was that you just did? And now you're standing on this podium and they're playing the national anthem. And here comes this judge. And he puts that medal around. Can you imagine what that must feel like? That it all comes together in that moment when you get that medal. So this is the Bema seat. This is the second judgment. This is the judgment seat of Christ. And John 5.22 tells us that Jesus is our judge. So he's the one that's running this ceremony. He's the one that's, that's giving out the awards. And I'm picturing, we don't know exactly what this is like, but I'm picturing like as you get your award, they probably got like a little highlight reel going, right? Of all the amazing stuff that God has done in your life and all the amazing stuff that God has done through you and, and in toward your mission, right? And in that like moment, you and the whole world are gonna see every good thing that God has done through you. And some of them are gonna surprise you. Some of them are gonna be things that you didn't even remember. You didn't even know you did it. You were just nice to somebody and God later used that interaction with that person to draw them to Christ. You didn't even know that you'd done it. Maybe you raised a kid in a godly way and that kid went on to do amazing things for the kingdom. You didn't even know what a difference you were making for the kingdom of God. But Jesus knew, and he kept track. And at this judgment, he's going to reveal every single one. And just like that athlete standing on the podium getting their you know, medal around their neck, instead of a medal or a trophy, the image in the Bible is that Jesus is going to give us. In the Olympics, they used to give them the laurel wreath, the little leafy thing around their head, right? And, and the Bible calls those a crown. 
And if you thought that was amazing to stand there and listen to the national anthem because you jumped really high or you ran really fast, imagine Jesus putting a crown on your head and looking you in the eye and saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You've accomplished your mission. Can, can you imagine Jesus putting a crown on your head and hugging you and whispering in your ear, we did it. And that crown, the Bible says, is not like a gold medal. It's not like a Super Bowl ring. And that crown is imperishable. It's forever. It's eternal. And it is so much greater than any success, than any accomplishment in sports or, or business or school or life. It's worth more than anything. That crown is going to be worth everything. And Revelation 4 talks about some people getting that crown. It calls them elders. So this is Revelation 4, and it says, verse 10, then these elders fall down and they worship the one sitting on the throne. Who's that? That's Jesus. And they lay their crowns before the throne. And they say, you are worthy, Lord God, to receive glory and honor and power. I'm telling you, I don't care if you were there when your kids were born. I don't care if you started a successful company. I don't care if you won the Super Bowl. I don't care if you got a gold medal in the Olympics. Receiving that crown is going to be by far the greatest thing you've ever experienced. The most amazing sense of fulfillment you've ever had until that moment that you take off that crown and you lay it at the feet of Jesus in worship. And then, this partnership between you and God that he planned before time will be fully consummated, will be made perfect. Because you, you will have done it. You will have really partnered with God through his calling, through his direction, through his power, through his leading. God, through you, changed the world and now all of that together becomes just an act of worship to glorify Jesus, which is what we set out to do in the first place. Yeah? So, that'll be a good day. That'll be a good day. We sang a song about it today, right? I will lay my crowns down at your feet. Why? Because you're holy. You're holy. I'll live my life as an offering. Think about those athletes working, getting up before everybody else, working longer and harder than everybody else. Why, they're living their life as an offering, right, to their sport. We're talking about living our life as an offering to Jesus, training, working, striving, doing, working towards our mission. So, yeah, it's, it's really important for us to identify our mission as individuals and as a church. 
Because just like each, each, each of us has a specific calling on us as individuals, we have specific giftings and all that, based on our gifts, based on our passions and, and supernatural spiritual gifts and just stuff we were born with and stuff we're good at, God has given each one of us a mission. And similarly, God has given this church a calling and a mission. And, and we need to stay focused on that mission. Yeah, partly because we want that feeling, right? We want that accomplishment. We want to feel like we did something. We want to feel like we've, you know, fulfilled our purpose. But mostly it's for our big purpose, which is ultimately honoring Jesus. So to help them focus and to help them stay focused, almost every big company, almost every organization sums up their mission in a mission statement. Right, and it's a really, it's a good idea because it's like the more clearly, the more concise you can be about communicating your mission, the easier it is to focus all of your energy and all your effort and all your resources and all your time and money and thoughts on that mission. And it's like Paul, therefore, the more effective you're gonna be. And so the idea for these companies is that all their decisions, all their actions, all their reactions, their hiring, their budgeting, the color they paint their walls, right, the kind of coffee they have in their break room, everything is supposed to be focused towards that mission as it's expressed in their mission statement. Yeah, you've heard of mission statements. So um, Instagram, their mission statement is um, to capture and share the world's moments. Okay, you don't have to like Instagram, but they're doing that, right? They are, and you know, the world's moments might be a war or a political fight or cute kids dancing or some really fancy food or a really clean oven, right? But whatever the, whatever the moment is, they are accomplishing their mission partly because they've named their mission. They've identified their mission in a mission statement. Um, Chick-fil-A. You know what Chick-fil-A's mission statement is? Um, to be America's best quick service restaurant at winning and keeping customers. Now, you don't have to like Chick-fil-A unless you're a Christian. <laughs> if you're a Christian, you have to like Chick-fil-A. But whether you like them or not, you've got to admit, they're executing that mission. They're doing it. They are absolutely becoming, if they're not already, the best quick service restaurant at winning and keeping customers. Get in one of their lines someday, right? I mean, we're going to get a Chick-fil-A. Have you guys heard that? Yeah, praise Jesus. Everybody's all, huh? we're all going to heaven. Hey, we're going to Chick-fil-A. Whoa, yeah. All right. So I don't know exactly where it's going to be or how that's going to work, but I'll tell you what I predict. They're going to destroy traffic, right? Why? Because they have those lines. And it doesn't matter how many lanes they have in their drive through it backs out on the highway. And you know why? Because they're so focused on their mission winning and keeping customers. That's, that's their mission. That's why they get out of bed every day. That's what they do. That's why they exist. And that's what a mission statement does. It describes what you, what you do or what you're trying to do. It tells why you exist. So I was thinking this week about some good mission statements um, for people in the Bible. So like John the Baptist, if he was going to write out his mission statement, he would say, I'm here to do three things. Announce Jesus, dress weird, eat bugs. That's John the Baptist. That's his mission statement. That's why he's here. That's why he exists. That's why he gets out of bed every day. Uh, the Old Testament Israelites, I wrote a mission statement for them. Here's what, I, see if you think. I can imagine going into the, the president, going to Moses' office one day, behind his desk, he's got a little, a little plaque. And here's what it would say on it. 
um, Israelites testing God's patience and breaking God's laws as God's people. <laughs> Isn't that perfect? That's like the ideal mission statement for them. Adam and Eve eating fruit, being fruitful, and making bad decisions since the beginning. <laughs> That's a pretty good mission statement for them, right? That's what they're good at. Paul actually had to change his mission statement. Remember what happened to Paul when he got knocked off the horse and blinded and all that stuff? After he met Jesus, he changed his mission statement, and this is what it was. Following God's call to plant churches, write letters, and spread the gospel all over the world. But before that, when he was Saul, his mission statement was following rules, being a great Jew, and killing Christians, just because I can. <laughs> that was his mission statement. Um, Peter, I have a perfect, a perfect one for Peter. Think of Peter. You got him? Proving the power and grace of Jesus by constantly letting him down. <laughs> Isn't that Peter? <laughs> or me. That's somebody. That's somebody. Um, Jesus in John 10 told us his mission statement, didn't he? He said he came to give life. Not just any life. Rich, satisfying, abundant life. In that same passage, he tells us what Satan's mission statement is. He says Satan gets out of bed for one reason, to kill, steal, and destroy. That's his mission. So it gets him out of bed. That's why he exists. And because he is so focused on that mission, he's really good at that mission. So it's important that we figure out our mission and, and name our mission so that we can stay focused on our mission. Here's some more from Paul. This is Philippians 3.13. He says, brothers and sisters, I haven't achieved it, but I focus on one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Paul, Paul doesn't want to be distracted by the past he doesn't want to be distracted by what's going on around him. He just wants to focus on the mission that he's calling us to. So to keep us focused on our mission at Home Church and so that we can focus all of our energy, all of our time, all of our resources, our teaching, our programming, our budget, our hiring, what color we paint the walls, what kind of coffee we serve, we want to focus all of that towards our mission. So we have a mission statement. And I'll just tell you, if you want to write a mission statement for your company or your house or your family or yourself, a really great thing we learned from our branding company, if you want to start a mission statement, is start with three words. We exist to. Start with those words. Why, why, why are you here? What do we exist to do? And our mission statement at Home Church is, we exist to help people find the Father, experience the kingdom, and become more like Jesus every day. So for the next few, feet, few weeks, we're going to kind of spend some time, and we're going to unpack each line in that mission statement. But today, I want to talk just for a minute about that last line. It's, it's really important, every day. And, and Joy kind of touched on this, but like our, our mission is not that we would just find the Father once. Our mission is not that we would just experience the kingdom on Sunday, Easter, right? Our mission is not that we would become more like Jesus when it's easy. Our mission is to find the Father, experience the kingdom, and become more like Jesus every day. Um, John 15 talks about um, abiding, right? Remaining in Christ. And the comparison is like a grape on a vine, Right? This isn't like a one-time connection. This isn't an occasional 
connection. This is, this is a continual, constant, everyday connection, every day, finding the Father, experiencing the kingdom, becoming more like Jesus, like constantly, in rhythm, like a heartbeat. Like, um, do you know sinus rhythm? You know, like a heartbeat? Do, do we have that video, picture, something? There. There it is. This is a good one. This is a good one. Why? Because look, the, the heart rate, um, the blood pressure, uh, what's that? Uh, blood ox, CO2, whatever those things are. You see how they're in, they're in rhythm? They're, they're in rhythm, right? It's constant. It's constant. It's constant. You know what you don't want is a really strong heartbeat once, and then it's down for, you know, a week or two, and then boom, it happens again, right? We want it, we want it, happening. We want it happening all the time. We want a constant, um, continual, like um, rhythmic beat, keeping our heart pumping, keeping our blood moving and keeping us alive. So do you guys know the term in church, CEO? These are people that go to church on Christmas and Easter only. You know those people? So um, let, me, let, me, let me show you what their, what their rhythm looks like. Here's, here's what their rhythm looks like. Easter, amazing, amazing. I found the Father. I experienced the kingdom. I kind of look like Jesus today. Christmas, it's amazing, right? I found the Father again. He was right where I left him, right? I experienced the kingdom again. I look kind of like Jesus today. Easter, right? So that's a rhythm, not a particularly, you don't want your heart beating like that. Not a particularly healthy rhythm. let me show you what my, high, my, my rhythm looked like when I was in high school, okay? Because I was an amazing Christian in high school on Sundays. So Sundays from, so here's, here's, here's what it would look like. Sunday, oh, youth group, yeah. I was teaching Sunday school. I was so awesome. And then the slow, gradual descent into debauchery, right? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, really early Sunday morning, right? And then, boom, Sunday, I'm back up again, baby, right? Do you see how unhealthy this rhythm is? To go like this, all the way down, and then go like this, and then all the way down. Do you know what we want? Do you know what we want with Jesus? We want it every day. Picture a kid drawing a picture of the ocean, those waves, right? Every day, experiencing the Father. Right? Every day I find the Father, I experience the kingdom, and I look a little bit more like Jesus than I did yesterday. The next day, I find the Father, I experience the kingdom, I look a little bit more like Jesus than I do the next day. Every single day. You see the benefit of this. You see the benefit of this. It keeps us alive. Right? It keeps the blood pumping. And we're never, if we do that, we're nev- if we do it every day, we're never very far from the Father. We're never very far from the kingdom. We're never very far from Jesus. So what this means practically is that at home church, going to church on Sundays is not our faith life. We absolutely go to church. Hebrews 10.25 says we shouldn't miss church. But coming to church, that's not our mission to come to church once a week, right? That's, it's one small part of one day of one week of our mission. We are finding the Father, 
experiencing the kingdom and becoming more like Jesus every day till our faith life and our real life becomes the same life. You see that? When I was in high school, I had my faith life, right? That lasted about an hour and a half on Sundays. Then it was back to my real life, yeah? And then on Sundays, I was back to my faith life. And then it was back to my real life. And you read the Acts, the Acts chapter two church, that's not what they did. Their faith life and their real life was the same life. So our mission is to experience these, these waves close together. Not, not once in a while, every day. I wanna find the Father. I wanna experience the kingdom. And I wanna become a little bit more like Jesus. And we wanna help other people find the Father experience the kingdom, and become more like Jesus. That's, that's our mission. So let's stay focused on it, and let's stay committed to it, and let's, let's pursue it like it was our sacred, holy mission from God, because it is. And by his power, if we do stay focused on it, we'll get there and someday Jesus will look us in the eye and put a crown on our heads and say well done good and faithful servant you've accomplished your mission we've restored what God wanted in the first place a partnership between God and humanity where he calls us to mission he empowers us to succeed and every success and every win and every crown just brings honor and glory to Jesus. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for not just, not just loving us. Thank you for trusting us. Thank you, thank you for including us. You could have, just like you could have moved the Israelites out of Egypt into the promised land just with a snap of your finger, just with your word. You could have done the same thing to redeem, to redeem the whole world. You could have redeemed the world without us but you've chosen to include us. So thank you for that honor, for that privilege. You've called us to be part of the body of Christ. You've called us to this amazing mission and you've given us your spirit inside of us to empower us to do it. So Lord, we look forward to the day that you put that crown on our head and, and say, well done. And we look so forward to laying that crown at your feet and bringing you glory with all the things that we did in our life. As we're moving forward, God, these next few weeks, learning about each one of these things, just remind us, this is not a one-time experience. This is some, you know, big, whatever, fun event or something like that. This is a calling for our life. It's a mission that lasts forever for us to find you and experience your kingdom and become more like your son every day. Show us how. Empower us to do the things that you've called us to do. Thank you for our mission. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, if you're a volunteer and you have a place you need to be, this is your 30-second head start. I wish all the rest of you would clap for these people. They're so awesome. They're headed out for their mission. Uh, while they're doing that, take a quick look at this video. Hi, my name is Jenny Nuccio, and I'm the better half of the Nuccio family. Just kidding. Sean is my husband, and we both serve in Mombasa, Kenya. We have been doing that for over 13 years now. And the beauty of what we get to do is it's an extension of the home church. 
Home Church actually started supporting our family back in 2014, and it has been an amazing journey to be walking with you guys and being able to do really cool things for Jesus in Kenya. So we would love for you to get to know us a bit more if you don't know who we are already. We are having a lunch and learn after church on the 25th. So please come learn more about the impact that's happening in Kenya, impact that you are directly involved in. And we would love to also say there's free lunch. So come and learn more about what's happening in Kenya. And we'd love to give you big hugs and tell you about all of the impact. So it's going to be a really fun lunch. I hope you guys will come to see what they're doing. Uh, they're in here, aren't they? Sean and Jen, they are. They're center. You guys stand up real quick. So this is them. Give them a hug if you see them later. Yeah, you can clap for them. Love you guys. Thank you. Uh, okay, one more thing. Um, so I want to talk to you about one of the true blessings and privileges of being part of home church. Um, there's a lot of good stuff, right? There's the community, right? There's worshiping together and learning together and growing together. But I want to focus on one of the really key things right now, and that is T-shirts. Um, what do you think? Yeah, these are cool shirts, right? And so... We have some back there. Um, I have, I'm supposed to tell you that if you go back there, they're 15 bucks. If you buy a shirt with a check, the state recognizes us as home church, but the bank doesn't yet. So if you write a check right now, it needs to be to CBCB. But we're going to be selling these shirts back there. You can take these, wear them, and, and people ask you what the church is all about, and you can tell them. And because it's us as a church, I want to give away a couple. And because it's us specifically as a church, I'm going to give them away with this. So let me see. That looks pretty safe. Okay, so. Just wait for it. I don't know what I'm doing. Jorge gave me a tutorial this morning. I didn't do very good. It's, it's pretty safe, I know. Oh, that's no good. Forget that one. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, let me see. Full charge. Okay, I don't know. Go like this, just in case. Just everybody, if you want to catch one, do this, but better is probably to do this. Just, well, I'll, I'll see, I'll do like one to each section, okay? Okay, prayer corner. Watch your eyes. Oh! Oh! Okay, I'm learning. So I can charge it a little higher than that. Okay, wait for it. Okay. Oh, oh I, that might be too much. Let me back up just a tiny bit. Okay, um, I'll go right. In there. <laughs> Sorry. The prayer corner's right over there if you need healing. We can hook you right up. Okay. <laughs> I got one more. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You don't know the pressure I'm under. Okay. And the tighter they fit, the harder they go. That's what they told me. So, I don't know. You guys are kind of close range over here. Okay. Seriously, kind of just be ready. <laughs> See what I think and catch it. 
Kevin has got amazing hands, I know. <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> All right, I got to do one more. Okay. I'm just not figuring it out. Oh, this is so tight. All right. Who, who did I do? Nobody, nobody's got one in here. Nobody's got one over here yet. All right, Beth. How attached are you to those teeth? All right, here it comes. This is going to be, watch, it's going to hit right, it's going to hit Beth right in the forehead. What? All right. All right. So when you talk to people about their church and they say, I heard your pastor's not that bright. You can say, yeah, but you know what he can do. Okay, that's it. God bless you guys. I love you. Buy a shirt.